Is the U.S. falling behind China in the AI arms race? Some believe the lack of regulation from the United States government is hindering its ability to keep up. I sat down with long-term venture capitalist Tomas Tungus. I'm Jackson Fordyce, and this is Venture Daily. As you may have noticed from the intro, this Friday episode, we're doing something a little different. We usually bring you three stories to start your morning, but today we have just one. We think the story needs more time dedicated to it. Our news today is somewhat of a culmination of several stories we've been covering really since we started Venture Daily. It includes AI, the U.S. government and regulation, semiconductor chips, the Frontier Model Forum, and the possible emergence of a new Cold War with China. And today's expert to provide insight into all of this is Tomas Tungus, a longtime venture capitalist who has recently launched Theory Ventures, a $230 million venture capital fund. I got the chance to have a longer conversation with Tomas than we usually bring you, so he'll be our only guest for today. Right now, there's an AI arms race happening on the global stage. The U.S. and China are in fierce competition over who will lead the innovation charge. And although the U.S. appears to have the edge, home to industry leaders like Microsoft, Google, and OpenAI, its advantage may be slipping. The U.S. government, unlike China, has yet to draw any regulatory lines for controlling AI technology. China's government outlined their plan to be the world's AI leader six years ago. They've already had multiple rounds of enacting regulatory laws for generative AI tech. Rights have been outlined, risks mitigated. The U.S. is behind. China's consumers rank among the highest globally when it comes to public trust in AI, and clear lanes established by their government may be playing a large role in why. Last week, Microsoft President Brad Smith told the Aspen Security Forum, the U.S.'s premier national security and foreign policy conference, that, quote, no one in the United States should ever underestimate the speed at which the Chinese economy, including the private sector or even the state-owned enterprises, deploy new technology, unquote. The approach in the U.S. has been more methodical, and maybe for good reason. Axios's Ryan Heath put it this way, Widespread adoption of mediocre AI or AI tools that undermine fundamental liberties is not in the U.S.'s strategic interest, unquote. And hasty regulation can unnecessarily hinder innovation. To get a better grasp on this complex and multifaceted discourse, I spoke with Tomas Tungus. My name is Tomas Tungus. I'm a general partner at Theory Ventures, an early stage software and infrastructure firm based in Silicon Valley. After a 14-year career at Redpoint Ventures, where he became one of the firm's top investors, Tomas stepped away to start Theory Ventures. This year, he raised $230 million for his new fund. Tomas, really excited to chat. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Tomas, why has it taken the U.S. government significantly longer than any other country to establish AI regulatory laws? (laughs) That's a very good question. I think... I think we've been slower than most of other governments to realize the strategic importance, the geopolitical importance of these chips. And what's been amazing is we've been ahead on the development of, of many of the recent technologies, but I don't think we've been as geopolitically minded when it comes to um, understanding how to protect them. And that, that may big go all the way back to admitting China to the World Trade Organization and the globalization which started in the late 1990s. I think we're entering now a, a political regimes where it's clear that our adversaries are being far more aggressive when it comes to protecting intellectual property than we historically have been. And so that requires a pretty big change in direction for foreign policy and also technology regulation. But you're starting to see it. What are the reasons for the delay in integration and adoption of AI tech across the U.S. economy? Oh, well, I think, well, we've adopted it pretty quickly. Uh, You know, there's four different kinds of machine learning and Machine learning has been used. I would say Google was probably one of the first users of it at scale. Uh, a lot of classical methods there. 
And the generative, it's been pretty quick. I mean, you look at OpenAI and ChatGPT, it's only a couple quarters old. We have 100 million users who are starting to see it. We see it in venture capital, many different startups starting to apply it from everything to uh, informing uh, restaurant supply, procurement, to sewer analysis, to the um, layout of electrical cables and commercial real estate. So I think the adoption there is, is really quite quick, at least on the startup side, and even Microsoft in its latest uh, quarterly and its latest financial announcements said that the total number of customers using their their OpenAI service has gone from 2,500 to 10,000. That's in two quarters. So I think there's pretty broad adoption. It's just, I think the, the question maybe behind the question is, why are we not yet seeing the improvements in net income margin or anything dropping to the bottom line? And there, I'd say it's just too early. Companies are still starting to experiment and it will take time to see some of these efficiencies bear out. Tomas, Beijing is already way ahead of Washington with enacting regulation. If China is first on AI governance, will it be able to project its standards and regulations globally, shaping lucrative markets? I don't think so. I mean, my mental model for the world is there's a Chinese internet that will run Chinese models on Chinese chips, and there will be a U.S. equivalent. Well, there's basically a U.S. internet, uh, U.S. machine learning, and there will be a bifurcation of standards uh, that will probably fall along geopolitical lines. That makes sense. Beijing seems to think that clear AI rules will help the public trust AI. Do you think laws from the government are an effective first step to building public trust? Is the U.S. lagging behind China in AI adoption and implementation because we lack laws that allay public fears? No, I think it's the other way. I mean, you think about, like, um, you know, this is the, the early days of the Internet. There were safe harbor rules that allowed startups on the Internet to experiment and explore with different things. And the more aggressively we regulate uh, AI, the more it benefits the incumbents because the larger companies have both the relationships that the government and uh, the balance sheets to be able to manage those relationships. So if, if anything, I, I really think of regulation of AI like regulation of planes. And the Wright brothers created the first plane. We basically flew them until they crashed and then started to regulate what were the shapes of windows, what were the designs of the engines. Uh, that's the way I think we discover what what works and how to apply regulation. The pace of, of change is so fast. And I think one of the challenges with regulation is it's easy to anticipate the first order consequences, but the second and the third order consequences are really are really challenging. I mean, you look at, you know, this corn subsidies in the U.S. or Prop 13 and what's that done to the California real estate market. These things have reverberating and compounding consequences over time. So I'd very much like to see a laissez-faire attitude until we actually see some some real damage being done by some of these models, and then we can regulate that. You kind of beat me to my next question. On the other side of that coin, does regulation place a drag on speedy AI development and innovation? Yes, it's a cost. It's because you have to comply with that regulation. And look at look at GDPR, all those little cookie widgets that everybody now has to accept. Uh, look at that. You know That was supposed to enable uh, user privacy, and now what we have is... Just the pollution of the internet. It's hard to say that the internet is much safer. Browsers are starting to develop bots that automatically click no. And, we, you know, it's definitely led to the decline of IDFA and, and cookies and maybe users are more private on the internet. But on the whole, I would say it's probably a loss uh, for user experience. Do you think the industry-led Frontier Model Forum, which was announced yesterday with Anthropic, Microsoft, OpenAI, and Google, is a sign that U.S. tech companies are sick of waiting and losing valuable time to other countries for shaping global AI standards? I think it's important for them, I think you, well, for them to be a voice. And it's also because if they, you, you, 
you need to have a commercial voice within the regulation uh, conversations. The first is there's a lot of education that needs to happen. I mean, even in Silicon Valley, just the, the pace of innovation that's happening, it's difficult for the people who are on the cutting edge to stay on the cutting edge because things happen so fast. Facebook releases Llama 2 out of the blue. And so it's important to have the voice, the voice of the, the customers there. I don't, I don't think it is, you know, I think I, I view that as a positive development in that this has to be a, a conversation between commercial entities and, and government regulators. You mentioned chips earlier. China is the world's largest market for chip technology. Is it a worry how much the U.S. relies on China for AI tech? It is an unbelievable worry. Uh, it's an unbelievable worry because we have, you know, we need to develop fa- fabs or uh, semiconductor ma- manufacturing facilities in the U.S. We'll see what the geopolitical dynamics are between the U.S. and China, but I think we're, all of us are waking up as a country and, and realizing the opposite side of globalization means we are dependent on people who may not necessarily have our country's interests at the top of, of our, you know, at heart. And so consequently, we need to be independent, right? And that extends to rare earth metals. It extends to uh, all the different uh, key components of building those chips. And and then even going to the machines, uh, ASML, which is um, a company based out of the Netherlands that's joint venture of many different companies, produces the world's most sophisticated semiconductor manufacturing products. And uh, and that has become like a flashpoint in this conversation, which is how, how many of their machines can they sell to China? And if you're a U.S. regulator or a U.S. politician, I think it's absolutely critical that uh, we maintain control and start, you know, the CHIPS Act was a big step in that direction. But the reality is, like, we just need to move faster. Last question, and a tough one. Tomas, are we entering an economic cold war with China? I don't think it's a cold war. I think the our economies are so interrelated and... We both have designs on decoupling our economies, and that will take an awfully long time. So if by Cold War you mean a slow decoupling of economies that may at some point lead to proxy wars or skirmishes, I I think we're there. I think you already see it with what's happening in Ukraine. Um, But I, I don't think, you know... I don't think it leads to like a kinetic war necessarily, but I do think you'll see a significant decoupling of um, of our two economies. I, there's no uh, there's no way around it, just given what's happened. That was Tomas Tungus, general partner at Theory Ventures. Thanks for joining me on the show, Tomas. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Venture Daily. Today's show is produced by Josiah Simons and Jackson Fordyce. Our theme song was created by Benjamin Cook. If you liked today's episode, please give us an honest review wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see y'all next week.